I was writing in my journal earlier, and I was contemplating the meaning of self-portraits, something that's probably going to end up being a piece that I'm going to put up on the Substack. But I was just contemplating about what the meaning for me of a self-portrait is and the self-analysis that's involved in it. And the, the idea has just kind of been spinning in my head. Like, I needed to talk some of it out. But I feel like every time I sit in front of this microphone, I, I can't forget that I'm recording. It sounds like a silly thing. There's so many people out there trying to make podcasts sound very professional and polished and slick. And I'm trying to, in a way, I'm trying to do the opposite. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a way to use tools, a podcast being a tool, in a way that allows me to do the self-analysis that is involved in self-portraits. And I guess I can't bring up the idea of the self-portrait without tackling the first thing that I thought of with, I guess maybe it's two things that I thought of when I first thought of self-portraits and what I think most people will think of when they think of self-portraits. The first being that they only refer to visual images, photos, or paintings in particular. I think you can do a self-portrait in many forms. In, in a way, a journal is a self-portrait. The other thing, which probably even more so comes to mind, is how egomaniacal, how self-centered to do a self-portrait. I actually think it's the opposite. And I'm saying that there aren't egotistical people out there who love taking selfies. But I think there's a difference between a selfie and a self-portrait. The selfie is, it's, it's, it's a photo of yourself to be used sort of, you know, in a lot of cases to be used as a self-advertisement. Look at me, it's not always what it is. I think that when we hear that word, that's a delineating difference. A self-portrait, on the other hand, is an attempt to focus inward. I'm sure a lot of this will come out in the written piece if I ever put it together. But it's still good to talk them out because I'm sure that in talking about this, I'm probably going to think of other things that I can include in that. So in a way, this is like a brainstorming session. But the self-portrait, to me, is the opposite of egotistical because it's done with the purpose of taking what I was saying about the world we live in. We live in a world right now, and probably has been for a very long time, that's focused externally. This is what this person says, and this is what they mean. I mean... Open a social media app, open a website, <laughs> watch TV, 
TV news or anything nonfiction and all of it, all of it. It's about everybody else, what everybody else is doing, what you think of it, everybody's doing. But the self-portrait says, me, what is going on in me? And that's not an easy process. It's not, it can obviously be used by egotistical people, but it's not egotistical in nature. It could actually be, it could be self-depreciating in a way. I think about uh, vlogs, especially the vlogs that I did back in the day. A lot of them, not all of them, would qualify as self-portraits. Some would qualify, that's what I was saying earlier about things focused externally. I didn't know what I was doing. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of these, these, this, I should say, this division or at least I wasn't thinking about it. But the ones that, that were self-portrait-like were ones where I was trying to do like what I'm doing now. Look at what I'm thinking. Look at the processes that are happening inside my mind. I, one of the parts that I fleshed out was the idea that we, from an existential point of view, only really know that we ourselves exist. This is something philosophers have dealt with. It's been a long time since I read the philosophers who talked about this, so I don't particularly remember who said that or who talked about that or who discussed it. But let's just think about it in the most basic philosophical terms, which is just you and me thinking about existing. When you go through your day, your thoughts are running through your head continually, nonstop, and nobody's aware of most of your thoughts. Sometimes we're not even aware of our own thoughts. We're not conscious of them, I should say. They just kind of pass by. Everything else is observed. I mean, you could obviously make the argument that uh, what's happening in our head is also observed. It's actually one of the basic tenets of mindfulness, but let's put that aside for now. Everything else is observed and insinuated, or we make assumptions upon it. This person says this, we assume they mean this. Now, somebody could say something straightforward, like I'm going to the store. We assume that they are going to the store. If they're telling the truth, that is true. If they are lying, it is not true. But we are making an assumption based on input. And that goes for the same for characters of people, who people are. You know, you think somebody's honest, you find out later they're a liar. You are making assumptions based on input. That's, that's how we exist in the world. But that also means that what we know, I don't mean what we believe, I mean what we know personally is very small. The sky is blue. We don't know that. We see that. But we don't know it. And I know that this is a, a linguistical thing here, but I think if you've 
follow with me, you'll understand how I'm using these terms. Obviously, these are terms that can be used in many different ways, but we don't know it to be true. We're pretty positive it's true. So we operate with the assumption that is knowledge. But if you were to find out that you were living in a simulation, then the sky isn't blue because there never was a sky. If you were to find out that you are a brain in a jar being poked with needles, then there never was a sky, so it wasn't blue. If you were to find out that nobody else sees colors the way that you do, then yes, maybe the word blue can be applied, but what you see as blue is not what everybody else sees. So you understand what I'm saying? We, we, for sanity's sake, we operate on these assumptions, and we should. But we don't know them. The one thing that we do know it's what's going on inside of ourselves. And the only one thing that we can know is ourself. And we don't even know that. It's one of the things, there's so, so many articles and books and podcasts being made about the dangers of the, of the internet that we're starting to see, the dangers of social media that we're starting to see or that we've been seeing for a while we're starting to accept as a society. One of those things is this focus on the external because the more that we focus on the external, the less we focus on ourselves, and the less we focus on ourselves, the less we're existing in a place of absolute knowledge. And I don't know what that does. You know, I, I have no idea. But it's just my way of pointing out that this focus on the internal is important and we start to see societal and mental health issues that arise from too much focus on external, not enough focus on internal. So going back to the idea of the self-portrait, self-portrait can be done in many ways. I think you can, if you find a musician who is very kind of living in their own zone. You know, this isn't the only example, but this is an example. Someone who's not trying to sound like whatever the trend is or trying to recapture sounds they were fascinated with. Someone who's just kind of lost in exploring music. That person is probably creating something that we could apply the terms or term self-portrait to the classical composers, or I think like uh, people like, I'm not coming up with the names right now, but there are some modern composers like uh, modern jazz composers or somebody like a John Cage, a lot of their stuff can be seen as self-portraits. I think anytime you write in a journal, in a way you are exercising self-portraiture because you're looking internally, obviously depending on what you're journaling, but if you're journaling about yourself, what you're thinking and what you're feeling, or maybe you even prefer to use the word diary for that, that exercise is an exercise in self-portraiture, you are 
looking at the thing that you know the most and realizing how little you really know it and you are playing in that gap and the gap that this, that's there you know, I shouldn't say you're playing but you're searching in that gap there are mysteries inside of ourselves that we have to unravel in the self is something that's it's this continually changing it's something like a like a stone and it's rolling you know stone doesn't roll 180 degrees you know sometimes it moves a little to the left while it's rolling forward so like the, the part that is touching the ground is almost never the same exact part on the stone so when it's like a round stone that's the self it's continually flipping and it and if you add into that the dimensions of changing and growing to a stone, then you get even closer to the idea of the self. You know, we can't say this is who I am. We can only really say this is who I am right now, which will surely change eventually. I will change my mind. I will learn something new. I will feel differently. And so I do, I, I do still plan on doing the explorations into the big books. But there's a lot of space in between there. So I think every once in a while what I feel that I'm in a contemplative... It's, it's, it's a, to do what I'm doing right now is, let me just say this first, it requires two very particular states to be in. Contemplative, self-contemplative, that state, and also talkative which doesn't always happen a lot of times that, especially for me, I'm an introvert, that self-contemplative state is usually a quiet state. And I want to try to, when I have those two things together, I want to try to record some audio and put that in here. You know, like the, the description of the podcast, this is some, was it semi-articulate? I don't even know my own semi-articulate existential nonsense, right? I've been thinking a lot about that. I do this a lot. I write things down. There's these words that kind of congeal for me. And I go, yeah, that's it. And I don't really know what they mean at the time. Like I have a hint and it feels right. But then over time, my, they become like a mantra. And I keep repeating them. And then they slowly start to reveal themselves to me. And one of the ways that that has been revealing itself to me is the idea of self-portraits and how it's something that I've been fascinated by and a good portion of the art that I've created in my life has been in some way self-portraiture. For example, like when I write fiction, this doesn't always happen, but I shouldn't say it doesn't always happen. I think to some degree it always does happen. I'd be curious to talk to other people who have written fiction to know if this is the same for them, but I think it's, for me, it's impossible to write a character that in some way I'm not walking in their shoes and that in some way that they are not an examination of myself, which is not to say that every time I create a character, it's me. What it is to say is that I'm exploring something within myself. So if I make a character that is selfish, I am exploring the selfish part of myself. If I make a character who is feminine, 
maybe I'm exploring the feminine side of my personality. Who knows? I don't think it's that simple because I don't think writing a female character in my experience is about air quotes being feminine because that's doesn't really mean anything. You know, there's more, each of us is a complicated mix of things and I don't think our, the gender of a character really determines much about the character. Oftentimes when I choose the gender of a character, it's just because it seems interesting. But it's not, uh, it's not a defining character trait. I don't know if I'm communicating that well. I'm probably going down a, a, a detoured rabbit hole here about characters. But what I'm saying is when I create fictional characters, even, and I don't mean just like the main characters, I mean all of the characters, in some way I'm dealing with something. Even I think when you are, when you create a character that's based on someone else, you're also confronting your observations and your opinions and your feelings about that person. Because once again, the only thing we can know is ourselves. So what we are imbuing this character of from someone else is just this piece of who they are and assumptions that we've made about it. And then when we make a character, we exaggerate those. You know, like I said, the parts about myself too is, is selfishness. Oh, how can I take that selfishness and make that into a full character? There's one maybe major defining trait is that. And a lot of times when, when my writing is good, what I mean by that is when I'm feeling good about it. It's when I am digging to understand something about myself through the use of characters. You know, it's not just mimicry. There is a journey there. There's a search there. There's an attempt to understand something there. And therefore, it is self-portraiture. So, in my attempt to find all the avenues of this, all the avenues of self-portraiture. I think audio is an interesting way because it makes me confront something about audio that's very difficult for me. It's one of the reasons that I've kind of just been reading more. You know, there's a lot of reasons. Like I said before, I wanted to write more. And that's a very important part of my journey to the self and doing writing and and things that are getting in the way of that are they have to be put aside or minimized because i don't mean just like not writing as in writing pieces for other people to read i mean even like journaling so that that important self-analysis that i was talking about earlier you know that the importance of turning off the external and turning internal when that's not happening for me, that's sucks. And it gets harder in the fall and the winter because for some reason when it gets colder and there's less sun, my brain gets a little more lethargic. So it takes a lot more effort for me to do things. And I also get more drawn into myself. I get more introverted. And 
as a consequence of like those three things put together, I also become less articulate. And one of the things that I hate, so it's, actually let's put it this way, there are two extremes that I hate when it comes to doing podcasting and probably almost anything else, which is becoming either far too formulaic and too polished and too strictured to the point where you squeeze all the authenticity out of something. And then the other end being too loose and too sloppy. Like I hate when I listen to audio after I record it and I do what I just said there. Like there are these filler words. We know everybody does um. I think the more I've done audio over the years, the less I do. But whenever I stumble on something that I don't have the words for yet, or I think too much about the fact that I'm recording and not the fact that I'm talking and thinking, you know, the process becomes more external and it becomes internal. Those things will bring out more ums. Or when I don't know where I'm going next, but I feel like I need to still keep going, that that will lead to ums. I don't know what causes the like thing. That's a weird filler word, and I hate it. I think the last recording that I did, there was a section where I said like in, I like a succession of like, see, just it there. <laughs> in the succession of, I believe, three or four sentences. I said it four times. And it just, there's something really demoralizing about that. And that goes back to what I was talking about, the difficulty of self-portraiture, because the self-portraiture, by focusing things inward, you're also opening yourself up to self-criticism, an extreme amount of self-criticism. Anybody that's recorded a podcast for the first time and then sat down to edit the audio themselves for the first time knows what I mean. It doesn't go away after the first time, but the first time's probably the worst. Same with, with video. You know, I actually considered doing a video version of this to really amp up the self-portraiture element of it and to, you know, get back in some way to some of my YouTube roots. Once I started setting things up, the setup was so elaborate. Just like, because, you know, I don't have like a, studio set up here. It's just like a desk. <laughs> I have a boom arm for the microphone and then I got to put the computer in. I need a light because it's not bright enough in here to film. And then I need a place to put the camera, but this arm is not long enough. And it's just like a stack it on this. And by the time I got through all that, I'm like, all I'm going to think about while I'm recording this is the image. And I don't want to do that. Not to mention the, you know, like the, the whole looking at yourself afterwards, editing. Like, oh, my face, oh, that's a bad angle. Or, or I look old, or, oh, there's dog lint on my shirt because I have a dog. And there's always dog lint on something I own as much as I vacuum and brush. So, once again, obstacles out of the way. So the video thing just, it wasn't going to work. I liked the idea of it, but it defeats 
something that I, I mentioned in the previous episode, a goal of mine to think of that blue map where people just turn on camera and start talking through problems. I think it's really important. What's I should say, what is really important to me about that is that the exercise of recording becomes valuable to me while I'm doing it. To explain that maybe a little bit more in depth, when I record and I'm concerned with the output of it, am I pausing too long? Am I going on tangents? Am I humming? Am I liking? What am I trying to say here? When I focus on that too much, that's what I'm thinking about while I'm recording. And what happens is I get to the end and I listen. And obviously I remember saying the things that I'm saying, but there's also this feeling of like, why did I talk about that for so long? You know, like this realization that you weren't present in the moment that you were speaking, that something else, like some sort of momentum was in control. And I don't like that because it makes the act of recording unenjoyable and it makes it, I'm not getting anything from it. But when I can get into the state where I'm using this as a way to talk something through, I'm using it as a, as a, as a tool for articulation, which means sometimes you're going to stumble over your words like I did right there. Because you don't have the words yet. I think one of the other things that I fear in some small way about that as well is that we live in a very sensitive time where people are overanalyzing people's words. And it's so easy to say something that somebody's going to have a field day with. And I should actually, I should clarify something I thought about a lot before, which is why editing was so important to me. Like, oh, somebody could take that word the wrong way. I'm not thinking about that anymore. This is just what it is. It's rough. It's wrong. I'm going to say things wrong. It's okay. I have to, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling myself that. What helped with that as well is I've just completely stopped looking at all social media. I don't know if that's a, a permanent choice or something. I just, I felt like I was on a treadmill, you know, the treadmill of content. Oh, let me, let me check in on this app. What have I missed? Let me check in on this app. What have I missed? Just wanted the damn time back. And it changes the way I was thinking. And uh, I have been, it's been, I don't know how long I've been paying attention early. It's been a while since I poked in. I pretty much gave up on Instagram a couple months ago. I think it's been about a month for Twitter. 
And that's worked out really great because it's forced me that if I want to articulate something, I have to either record or I have to write. And uh, that's better for me. But I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about all this in the context of, of understanding the why, the why of doing things. And it seems, seems like an easy thing. It's, I guess in a way it's, it's another internal, external thing. I can look at a show and go, why am I doing this? And think I'm answering for myself, but I'm really answering externally. Why, for example, if I had a true crime show, why am I doing this? Because I love true crime and I want to explore now. It's because I, there's something I like. And I think because I like it, I might be able to, in some way, externalize that. It's not a bad thing, but that is external reasoning. Whereas something like this, in this episode might even not be a good example of it. This might just be a start. But to use this as a form of self-portraiture, is a way to examine myself. And that is internal reasoning. And the reason to record it is also to, I'm not sure how to word this. If I was not recording this, much of what I'm thinking about right now wouldn't happen. That by forcing myself to vocalize and to record and to put something out that at least strings together articulate thoughts and senses, semi-articulate thoughts and sentences, forces me to go through a process that I would not I would not sit and think this out the way that I'm sitting and thinking it out and talking it out if this was inside my head. We move at light speed at things in our head. We move on assumptions in our head. We don't work necessarily in complete sentences in our head. And there's an important thing. This actually comes from Nicholas Lumen and the whole Zettelkasten thing. The idea of Reading something and capturing in your mind, getting an understanding of the idea that's being presented. A lot of people can just copy the exact quote of the idea, but they're not internalizing the idea. To internalize the idea, Lumen says, I have to take that idea and then write it again in your own words, in your own understanding, because it forces you it puts you on stage. You can't work on those assumptions and those shortcuts that you would inside your head. And when I started doing that with notes, what I realized was I didn't really understand that. I just got the gist and I was calling the gist an understanding. So in the same way, by sitting myself in, some, in front of this microphone, 
Knowing that I'm going to put, let's go back even further to another step. By knowing that I'm going to put this out forces me to sit in front of the microphone. And by sitting in front of the microphone, it forces me to work out the wording, to work out the thinking. Forces me into different areas too. Because there's something that Richard Feynman, uh, he said that the best way to learn something was to teach someone else. So sometimes the best way to articulate something is to have to explain it to somebody else. That's an important part of the externalizing. That even in my, my journals, I would talk about this differently than I'm talking about it now because there are things I don't need to explain to myself in the journal, but by having to explain them to an audience, I'm not only forced to articulate the things that I'm trying to work through, but I'm also forced to articulate the things that I think I know, the assumptions that I think I know. And I think in, in the process of self-examination, that's really important, that we don't only examine our unknowns, we examine our assumptive known. And I think one of the things the book project has kind of opened up for me, and also the debatable ideas, the, the newsletter that I do on Fridays on the subtract, both of those have made me realize that the ideas are the things I need to focus on, not the, the words and the ideas and how they're relevant to me. I was thinking about this while I was walking today. That I highlight books in a different way than most people do. Or I assume the way that most people do from what I see online. It seems that most people highlight parts of books that help them summarize the meaning. So if you read chapter one, and chapter one is about shipping containers and how they function, you're going to highlight the parts that best encapsulate, you know, it's like, see, you got to the end and you have four highlights and you go between these four highlights, I have the gist of this chapter. That's not what I do. And it's not a purposeful thing. Like literally it never occurred to me that that's not what I do until thinking about it today. I highlight anything that's relevant or resonates. So if I'm reading something and there's a joke that makes me laugh really hard, I'll highlight the joke. If there's a story that like, whoa, I got caught up in that story. I'll highlight the story. If there's a fact that I find interesting, yeah, I will. It might not have anything to do. None of those might have anything to do with what the chapter or the book is about. They're just things that I go, ah, I like that. I don't want to lose that. And going back to the ideas thing, it's, just, it's th those two things 
are relevant because they're relevant to each other, I should say, because the ideas, the highlights, I've collected them. But what I've been not doing is incorporating them. It resonates. It's an idea that I find interesting. By interesting, I don't mean positive always. I just mean it catches my interest. What does that mean? And what does it mean in the context of me? That is the step that I'm missing. And I think that's the existential nonsense. Because it's everything and it's also nothing. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but it matters, but it doesn't. That's, that's what I hope, in, in addition to the explorations of the scary books or the big books or whatever I'm calling that, that's the other thing that I think I need to use audio for. And I don't know, like I said, how often it's going to happen. Maybe they'll switch off one or the other. I don't know. I'm not worried about that. In fact, to me, this isn't really even a podcast. It's really just audio. I know that's, that seems, once again, a logistical thing, but podcast, it's starting to become a word like radio. It insinuates it a certain level, and it insinuates a certain style, it insinuates a certain polish. But before that, some people used the word podcast, but like most people didn't know the word podcast. We just called it audio. You know, you found something on the internet, push play, and there was no picture, but it made sounds. It was just audio. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it more. I think it's Jeff Tweedy, guy from uh, Wilco. He has a, a Substack. I ran across it the other day, and he literally just posts like two, three-minute audio clips here and there. It's not even—I don't think it's even connected to a podcast host or anything. Like you have to go to the Substack to listen to it. And I don't, it says sometimes there are guitar riffs or whatever. I only listened to one, but it was just him sitting in the kitchen for like two minutes, maybe, maybe, talking into the voice recorder on his phone. It's just saying, I'm sitting in the kitchen. My wife is here. You want to say hi? Like, it's, it's audio. It's not a podcast. It's audio. And I like that because. It's just, it clicks in my head better. So I'm going to try to do these up with this. Try not to worry about purposes or things. And I'm also trying not to, the hardest thing to let go of with the podcast thing is this idea of the, all, all the idea stuff that comes along with the the show analogy, right? Many people are subscribing, many people are listening. I don't ever think about that when it comes to 
what I write. I don't want to think about that when it comes to audio. It's dangerous to, to me. It's dangerous to, uh, it's dangerous to my process. I don't even want to go into mental health. It's dangerous to my process. It, it becomes this, it's like a different version of you takes over. The editor, the director, some wrong hat. The hat that needs to be on is the, the creator hat. Or not, in this case, not even the creator. In this case, just the thinker and the talker. Not even the thinker. So let's go even more to that. The self-portrait. What is the noun for that? Self-portrait artist, I guess. But then you got the word artist. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and try to think of a term for it. But that's the mess that I made today. Bye.